You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we use color motion picture films made in the old U.S. of A. between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. What do we do with these windows, you guys? First of all, we wipe them. We wipe and we wash the windows. Then we throw those windows open. We climb through the windows and we explore the world beyond. What are we going to find there? What types of people, places, sights, sounds? Who can say? While we are there, though, we're going to be asking some critical questions, such as these people walking around in the world beyond the window. Who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making and why? And, inarguably the most important point, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then at the end of the show, we climb back through the window to present times and we rejoin you and ask the final, ultimate, vital question on behalf of all of you here in the early 21st century, which is, hey, you guys, this movie that we just spent all this time poking around, prodding, asking questions about, critical ones and otherwise, do we keep watching this thing? Do we keep shuffling this from generation to generation, acting like it's a big fucking deal? Or do we just cast it aside and let it drift off into oblivion, the oblivion of time? We will find out. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my panel of incredible international experts at being human in the early 21st century, and also the smartest people that I know. Starting on my left, as sometimes the one and only Shrishman Ike. Hey, Shrishy Boo. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the program. I'm always happy to be here. And we're always happy that you're happy. I know. Also, sitting on your left, and across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hey, sis. Hey there. Welcome back to the program. Are you ready for it? I am so ready for it. I've been preparing. That's great, folks. That's great because everybody, as you know, we are knee deep in the snowbank of the holiday season leading up to this big Christmas finale that we have going here, which will be hosted by the one and only Dr. Carolyn my sister now rose. So I'm just going to hand the reins over to you, sis. This is all you. Tell us all about 1954's White Christmas. Well, it is pretty white. That is what yes. I can say about it. Um, Snowy white. But let's start with our one-line reviews. Justin, you never get to go first unless I'm That's hosting. True. So You're going to uh, let me go first? Yeah. It's a Christmas miracle. It is. <laughs> you guys. I do have one for you. A serviceable film about the trials of soldiers re-entering civilian life cluttered up with miles of inexplicable dancing. Okay, Catherine. <laughs> well, she's not here, so very good. somebody's going to try to fill those sassy <laughs> right. boots of hers. Shrishma, do you um, have a one-line <clears throat> review? I feel like for this one, I had to... Um, Rehash one of my previous um, reviews. <laughs> Let me hear it. White people doing white people things. <laughs> I have a slide just for that. <laughs> Not kidding. You guys, these people uh, are as white as snow. Snow. Oh. Snow. Snow. You know I can't sing, right? I What's don't know that? why you're trying to harmonize with me. I'm going to be... <laughs> I'll be down here. And I don't know where I am. She'll be up there. I'm somewhere in the middle. middle. (laughs) Okay. Unison is almost a harmony, right? Almost. It's its own kind of harmony. My friend Dre actually makes fun. Like he, he gets <laughs> kicks out of making fun of my lack of rhythm and harmony. Okay. So. That's great to know. He's got to come on the show, right? He He's a friend of the show. He is a friend of yeah, the show. Yeah, of course. Of, of course. Got to have it. Um, so I have a one line review for this, which will is love will make you do silly things and sing silly songs and you'll do anything for your army buddies. Mm. Well, that's a very reasonable review, actually. <laughs> that's that's exactly what we right. saw here. 
Right. That is exactly what <laughs> well we saw. Done. How so, mature of you. <laughs> before we launch into 1954's Christmas, I do want to backtrack ever so slightly. Um, this would be falling just outside of our time period window here. Uh, White Christmas, as we all know it, um, is actually, we first heard the song in 1942's Holiday in which mm. I kind of feel like is a little bit of the lesser known version because it's also a little bit controversial. Um, <laughs> it's a it's yes. story about, you know, song and dance team opening a, a, a an inn in Connecticut on this farm mm-hmm. and they have a, a song and dance number for every holiday season, <laughs> including, um, I don't know how to say it, but when I finally watched this movie and I had no idea this scene was coming, I like turned off my TV and was in shock um, because they have an entire blackface number for Abraham yes, Lincoln's do. birthday. <gasps> oh, yes, they do. And it is shocking and it's horrific. Horrifying. It's horrifying, basically. Um so, you know, when we do the, when I do the intro at the start of the show where we talk about, do we let this slide? Do we let this go? Did we just let this drift off? We don't off? let like, this slide. No. Well, no, no. We do, I'm not saying we let it slide. No, no. But I'm saying like, do we, when we decide, like, do we keep it or do we just mm. let go of the balloon and let it float up into the oh, atmosphere? Yeah. I, th- I feel like this is why you don't hear so much about Holiday and is that it was mm-hmm. decided at some point. Yeah. Guys, the blackface, it's not on anymore. We got to uh, so let I did it go. Look, I did look Dump that up because I was, I'm curious. I'm like, when did this start being edited out? Because I also know that people are familiar with this movie, but that have also seen it with that scene entirely cut out. Oh, and okay. And so it sounds that- like from my limited research, um, in the 1980s, it's when viewings of it played on like network television they would cut out that scene oh okay um and then now like you can find the unedited version like on amazon prime and it's more like well let's just say it's in there and it's culturally insensitive so it might be offensive to people much like you know disney's kind of done on disney plus where they'll put an announcement in front of it and say there are distressing, disturbing mm. portrayals yeah. of people in this film. But who was I talking about <laughs> this with recently? Was it you guys? I think so. Or was it other people about how this like every Disney movie before 2012 mm-hmm. has, has a, like a content mm-hmm. warning at this yes. point of just like oh, a bunch of bad people kidnapping children and smoking pipes. Uh, just look out for that. Sorry. Anyway, here's Pinocchio. You know? Right. Well. <laughs> So, I mean, I think the argument could be made, of course, that like, hey, this is what it was and this is part of our history. Like, let's not ignore it, but let's acknowledge that it it's horrific. And yeah. like for, to a modern audience, we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but again, that was 1942. We're, we're talking about 1954's White Christmas. Um, but I did want to make sure that we acknowledge that history. I mean, it is that's one of those uh, parts of like stage performance history that I think, again, you can't ignore it, but you need to be able to talk about it and how, I mean, like talk about cultural appropriation and all the wrong, horrible ways, why we shouldn't be doing it. Um, (laughs) That's the example with those. That's more like white people doing black people things. (laughs) There is white as snow. 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 (laughs) Guys, we're going to get it. We'll get it. Right. Um, okay, so we will get into 1954's White Christmas. So, um, this movie, uh, with its Irving Berlin score and all the good things, um, opens up in 1944 on the European front. So, let mm-hmm. me pull up my presentation for us all. Okay. I noticed also that this was the first movie they released in this Vista Vision color. Yes, that's absolutely correct. So VistaVision, do you want a little nerd nerd right. history real Why quick not? there? The great thing about VistaVision, now we've seen CinemaScope in the right. past, right? But that tends to make things a bit wider mm-hmm. screen. VistaVision makes things a little bit taller. Okay. Okay. Gives you a little bit more vertical height there. But yeah, we see the, the number one, VistaVision number one over here. Yeah. Very exciting. And is that why like there's so it's quite like colorful? Like there's yes. a lot of colors. Yes. So what happened with uh, VistaVision films, it turns out, because of the size of their picture tend to be uh, the best for high definition okay. restoration. So that's why everything looks pretty pristine Great. All in right. a movie like this, which has been lovingly restored. 1944, European front. 
Um, this is where we're first introduced to the characters of Bob, Bob Wallace and Phil Davis, as well as General Waverly. So, um, to bring some Christmas cheer to the boys fighting on the front, Bob Wallace, who at that time is already a known performer, is putting on a bit of a Christmas show, and General Waverly arrives, and he's about to be replaced by a different general. So he will be, uh, his boys will be moving up further to the front while he is moving towards the rear. So, um, it is very, made very clear in this opening scene, you know, hard times in the war. We kind of see some rubble in the background. We have a very mournful rendition of White Christmas that really brings a tear to your eye sung by Bing Crosby, as well as really getting a sense of um, the loyalty that these men feel for General Waverly. Yeah, they love him. And, yeah. the, and the new guy, uh, is it's, <laughs> it's made very clear that he's very by the book, very serious. This is outrageous men singing and dancing on the front. Right. We're sending them to their untimely deaths tomorrow. Come on. They didn't have Captain America entertaining them, so they had to make their own entertainment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's all. Wouldn't that be something? Maybe. <laughs> Look, here's my vision. This gets picked up by Disney at some point. If it hasn't already been, and they start just, you know. Tinker when, with it. Right. When they're taking cigarettes out of people's hands and covering up uh, what's-her-face's butt in Splash, they can slip in Captain America in the background here. They could. They could. Yeah. Very much so. In this uh, scene, we also get the first time we hear the old man song or, you know, the sort of like, you know, like, we'll follow him wherever he goes. We'll go with him. That kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. All of this will definitely be reprised in a much happier time at the end of the movie. But for for the meantime, this is this is also where we have the introduction of Phil Davis, our played by Danny Kay, saving Bob Wallace from being crushed by some rubble. Uh, through which Danny Kay's character says, "Hey, I've well, you know I've got this." idea for a song and a double act. And so this is how Bob Wallace and Phil Davis get together. And following this, we have an excellent montage scene that flashes us forward 10 years from the European front through the songs uh, Heat Wave and Blue Skies. And um, we we get to sort of the, the backstage life of now um, Bob and Phil are like a big time Broadway producers, and as Phil tells Bob, you like being Rogers and Hammerstein. You know, Bob is very busy with all this sort of checking off lists, producing things, and and Phil is busy trying to get Bob a date. Because at this point, 10 years in, Phil is exhausted. And Bob <laughs> just is so weird. keeps want so he wants Bob to be busy with something that's not show related so he can take a break. So So he can have five minutes to five himself. Minutes, Forty-five minutes 45 to himself. Forty-five minutes to himself. So I guess uh, what's the line? I think it's something like for the last three months you've been throwing women at me, clumsily throwing women at me. So I <laughs> Don't uh, you get it? I'm I'm not into it. Right. I'm not into it. I'd rather spend all my time with you. <laughs> So maybe they were like he liked him and he couldn't express himself. That uh, this is exactly what I'm uh, intimating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely could have been. Um, I want every 45 minute segment to be with you. <laughs> so we see Phil in this screenshot here. We see Phil coming up to uh, one of the dancers from the show that he has co-opted into finding him uh, one, another dancer to do a double date situation. And I happen to like this blonde who is, of course, they've made her very ditzy, but she has a great character voice that I'm sure she's putting on where she says, mutual, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she sure. Has, and when Bob just walks away and he's like, we've got stuff to do. We've got to go see this sister <laughs> act. And the other side, she's like, how do you like that without so much as a kiss my foot or have an apple? Like, who? what does that even mean? Kiss my foot or have an apple? But it's it some is Long Island bullshit. <laughs> right. But it's a great line that's always stuck out yeah. to me. Um, so basically, it's Bob rebuffing Phil's attempts to get him a woman. <laughs> yes. I'd rather not. I want to spend my time with you. I mean, who wouldn't have a thing for tall, lanky Danny Kay? You know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the whole reason that uh, Bob is like, no, I don't have time for a double date. We got to get back to New York. Before we do that, 
we, you know, one of our old army buddies sent us a letter and we've got to go see his sisters perform at Novello's nightclub to, to give them some advice. This is all very flimsy. This entire plot is very flimsy. Yeah, but it was super sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> You'll do anything for an army buddy, including to go check yeah. out his sister's sister act. Yep. Sisters. Sisters. What is the song? What's that? What is the song? I, all I remember was sisters. That's a, sisters well, nobody can keep them together. Such devoted sisters. Uh, yes. There we go. Something about misters can get between me and my yes, sisters. But and, not, yeah, okay. She nope, wore the dress and I stayed home. Right. Great. Okay. So this is a total. But I just want to be with you. <laughs> Didn't they say something like nothing can get be- between us except maybe a man? Mm-hmm. Basically. Is that the line? Oh, okay. I mean, I it's like supposed that. to be humorous. Foreshadowing. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's supposed to be a humorous number. It's not supposed it to be entirely serious. And the only reason I say that I would not cut this one is because I really like the version coming up mm. with with the boys oh, doing it. Well, and I, I think the girls are great too, actually. I think right. this is one of the few where it's like, oh yeah, this is uh, right. unique and uh, we get, we're get we learning about them and their relationship mm-hmm. through yes. song, you know? Yes, exactly. Drives so, the, I mean, this drives one- Drives the plot forward. It does drive the plot forward. It's fluff, but it drives the plot forward. So, I this is one I would say, well, you kind of got to keep it in there because it also gives us a great comedy moment. Mm-hmm. We learn coming about the from, sisters. Um, coming from Bollywood- this is pretty. It was. I wasn't too stressed about the songs because I think I've seen it so much in like yeah. right. introduction. Like the hero has an introduction, right, the right. heroine right. has like each one has their own introduction. Song. The big love song comes right. at the halfway right. point, exactly. typically, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So all good. Which you know we also learn in in this little sister exchange before they go uh, on stage that um, their their brother. Did not write the letter. It was younger sister Judy, played by Vera Ellen, the dancer of this duo, uh, who wrote the letter to Bob and Phil to, you know, pretending to be their brother. So sister Betty, played by Rosemary Clooney, is a little bit pissed at Judy. Like, oh, my God, you're going to get us into trouble. You lied. I I really think that Betty is our moral compass here. She's got Mm -hmm. a very high moral standard. And it's very clear from from the get-go, their first scene, that she's like the heart of the movie, I guess. Yes. Now, and Trishma, Rosemary Clooney. Any relation to mommy? <gasps> Are you serious? No, Auntie. I think it's a- Auntie. Oh, excuse oh, me. All right. I thought it was. I was about to get like. Oh, okay. Right. My mistake. That's All right. I take mom. it back. I know nothing. That's his aunt. I, that's, that, that's I didn't his look aunt. it up. That's oh, okay. Close. I was going to say because like. Close. She must have been with child shortly after this, uh, but it, that's not her. So that's never mind. Her. But relation, right? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask. One of the questions I was going to ask is, is it, is there a relation Mm-hmm. If you put really the Batman mask on her, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Dead Ringer. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was also part of a sister act, so I believe, like, in real life. So I believe oh, Clooney's yeah. mom was the sister in that or something. I don't know. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, she is not a dancer, right? Because no, some of those later scenes, it's a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> looks, looks she like. well, she has other, an amazing yeah. singing voice, but she's not a dancer. And by the way, Vera Allen is completely dubbed oh, anytime right. she's yes. singing. That's not her real singing. She can't sing a, she right. can't sing her way out of a paper bag, but she can dance her way out of a paper she bag. Dances. And Rosemary yeah. Clooney can't dance her way out of a paper bag. So the girls after their number, their sister's number, they go and they sit down with with uh, Bob and Phil and they make small chat. And during their number, Bob has already started falling for Betty's blue eyes. And so Phil whisks Judy away and they go have this whole dance number, which is complete fluffiness. You don't even need it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great dance number. Fluffiness in Florida, this looks like? Is this right. Florida? You know yeah. what? It is a great dance number. But let me tell you, I cannot stand the way Vera Allen constantly mm. throughout this movie mugs at the fucking camera. Like she like... Looks at Danny Kay constantly on the side of her eyes, but like won't move her face to him. Uh, and then she looks directly yeah. back at the camera. Like I, you're break, you're breaking the fourth wall for me. Yeah. And beautiful, both of them, beautiful dancers. Danny Kay makes us look effortless and easy. She's great. But like, I don't need this scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, agreed. That's true. <laughs> well, so the scene <laughs> almost was like remnant. Like, I almost got like, you know, the sound of music where they dance, um, Liesl and um, mm-hmm. 
dance in the outside in the rain. <laughs> you are 16 like all, going on 17. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It almost kind of brought back those vibes. Yeah, but. yeah, like really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm cutting the budget on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, can we, I want to put in some scissor sound effects here just to, anytime there's a thing that we, I think we can condense White Christmas down to a to tight hour. 35 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can too. <laughs> So they pull up in Vermont. Uh, they are dressed to the nines in their leopard snow gear, and they're in a nook of the <laughs> yeah. north looks, um, and there's no snow. Nanook of the north, by the way. I mean, you can't say it today, but at the time, that was a very well-known trope, the the idea of right. the Eskimo, right? That oh, we now okay. refer to as Inuit, although I believe that is also considered borderline. Well, I, think. I think it would depend on where you are in the, the country, but also like... Um, Alaskan Native or Native Alaskan. Right. Right. I, I know not enough information about that to, to speak on it. Yes. But. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Native Alaskan is anyone born in Alaska, but Alaskan Native refers to the Native peoples. Mm. Right. And Nanook of the North was the name of a very famous documentary from mm. the days of silent films okay. where they followed, uh, a film crew follows an alleged Eskimo, mm. quote, air quotes, everybody, uh, and and watches him go about his day of like carving a hole into the ice and fishing and then like spearing a whale and like uh, building snowshoes. All it was all fake though. Okay, just, I was gonna ask like, was it? They just got. They did get like a local guy, I think, and then they just okay, like just asked like, him ask to do him. things. You know, so it's, it's not pure. But like That's that was gross. a very famous, well known film. Yeah. Uh, Our Merry Christmas crew, Bob and Phil and Betty and Judy. They arrive in Vermont, only to find that there is no snow. So they get off the train. They ask where the snow is. Hey, what's the big idea? What's what's going on? Oh, hey, 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 hey. So oh, as much as that snow song seems like complete fluff, it does set up that their expectations upon arriving to Vermont are immediately disappointed because they were heading to... Uh, America's winter playground, only to find that it's not wintry. Is this like um, telltale, signs, telltale signs of climate change, yeah, or are they be. in a different place that they? No, and climate change. I'm there for it. Sure. Let's. Uh, yeah. Okay. It starts here. <laughs> starts in 1954. Uh, yep. um, Nailed it. We we get to the inn where Judy and Betty are supposed to be doing their floor show, only to discover that the inn, the ski lodge, is actually owned by Bob and Phil's former general, General Waverly. Surprise, surprise, mm. full mm-hmm. circle. That was the big idea. I had no idea. <laughs> so... Attention. Clearly, because there's no snow, uh, they say something like they haven't had snow since Thanksgiving. Um, it's hurting the business. General Waverly seems, in general, pretty beaten down by this whole, mm-hmm. like, hotelier life that he's been trying to live post-World War II. Do you think so? I think he seems pretty content with what he's what he's doing. It I seems w- like everybody around him is concerned more than he is. Yeah. I, I could. Yeah. That's a good I point. could be wrong about that. I mean, he seems. I mean, he's sort of like he he plays embarrassed a little bit because uh, you know I bet you fellas didn't expect to see a general you know hauling firewood around or whatever. Right. But I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty sweet, nice nice lifestyle. You got I like there. it. I don't know why you wouldn't want to just live that life. I'm here for it. I mean, this is this whole like front desk lobby area. It's it's nice. It's very ski lodgy this whole entire thing for the is then attached to a big barn that they have outfitted with like this great fireplace and you know i mean it's a it's a cool setup and vermont's beautiful why not real quick carol before you move to the next image mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about the the leopard gear but what is this like <laughs> chamois cloth that she has hanging off of her trench coat or her top coat belt area like what is that for I, what is I'm that i'm guessing that's like a scarf of some kind that she just mm. has on her belt for like this a muffler whole, or 
Okay. Leopard outfit because the back of that hat has leopard on it. Her carrying She's case has She's on safari. <laughs> she is ready to safari in Vermont. Yeah, skiing safari. Betty, of hit. course, looks like she's five years old and is in drabby gray winter gear with like red mittens on. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't she, like the costume choices between these two women is fascinating to me throughout this. Yeah, they're painting a film. picture with their outfits for <laughs> right. sure. Right. Betty's ready to settle down and Judy is ready to live a life of luxury. It's basically what that means. <laughs> So, because there is no snow <laughs> and, the, you know, Bob is really worried about General Waverly, he decides to bring up the entire show to book out the entire <laughs> ski lodge that they were supposed to have two weeks off at Christmas. They're like, fuck that. You don't get time off. Come on up. Come on up to Vermont. We're going to start rehearsing new numbers. We're going to mix the girls in. We're going to oh. book out the hotel. And and this will be an attraction. Maybe there's not snow, but Bob Bob Wallace and Phil Davis are here, and we're bringing a show. Can so- we talk about uh, what what are the, the financial logistics here of moving an entire goddamn orchestra and, like, grips and lighting people and, like, the like whole- Like, 30 people, like, background dancers and, you if, know? Yeah, they're moving the entire staff at Town Hall up to Vermont. Like, where are those people staying? Are they right. not taking all the, the rooms at this inn? Or is, right. or is this just, like, fueling the economy of all Blue. of Pine Tree? You I know, think it's, it's crazy. fueling the economy of all yeah. of Pine Tree. <laughs> It's crazy. It's a crazy idea. Oh, let's bring up the old orchestra. What's the big deal? Save the day. <laughs> Seasons greetings, everybody. It's me, mid-roll Jay-Z, breaking in here, interrupting my own sister to let you guys know all about the fabulous products available to you from Old Movie Time Machine. Now, guys, I just had a disturbing conversation with my own mother who cannot figure out the Patreon link in the show notes. We want you to be a part of the Patreon because you love the show, you love Shrishma and Carolyn and Catherine and Brindis and you tolerate me and I appreciate it. Get twice the content for only $2 a month on our Patreon. We call it the Boom Room. The link is in the show notes. Now this is where my mother gets hung up. What are the show notes? What is the link? So this file that you are listening to right now has words attached to it describing what the episode is. If you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see a bunch of links to our Tee Public store and our website and the Instagram and also the Patreon page. So just click on that. It'll take you right to the Boom Room and you can sign up, fork over your two lousy bucks a month and you get double the content. And if you do, you guys... I'm going to thank you so much, just like I will right now. Thank you. And now back to the show, Mom. How do they get the general away from the TV, from his favorite show, The Ed Harrison Show? Well, some excellent physical comedy from Danny Kay. Danny, Phil acts like he has pulled a hamstring or broken a leg and the general's like, no, 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 just go walk it off. I got it. I'm going to, he's like, no, 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 it's broken. And so he <laughs> gets the general to help walk him around the property and pretends his leg is hurt. And it's very funny. And <laughs> therefore Bob can make his announcement that the 151st uh, division of the mili- of the, of the army should come up to, Pine Tree, Vermont, to celebrate General Waverly. Yeah, he does a little. He does a little tune here, which I will put the scissors down for. I think we need to keep it. No, but we it's can a, keep it. It moves it, the plot. Yeah, it's it's about it references. Uh, what do you do with a three or four or five star general. Yeah, which employed. I guess represents any any military person returning yeah. from service abroad, and like, how do you reintegrate into? Uh, this type of life, and uh, yeah, find find yeah, your place in society also- again. It's a theme that is touched on in this movie that we, you know, in in the broader themes of what we're talking about with the podcast is yeah. like, okay, you know, what is going on in America in this sort of like post-World War II era? Well, part of it mm-hmm. is reentry into civilian life. Mm-hmm. Some people were successful. Some people not as much, um, you know? Yeah. The, hard, the hardships of that. And we, we get a number that talks just about that. Um, but first Betty has to make her return. 
So she sees Bob on the Ed Harrison show. I'm guessing she makes a call to the inn, talks to Judy because she comes in uh, and says, you didn't tell Bob, right? So it's going to be a whole surprise. But everyone is dressed for for that evening's event. Um, we have a scene of like all the all the former military guys with their wives, like sort of piling off the trains Heading to the inn, um, you know, our innkeeper and General Waverly's granddaughter all dressed very nicely. It's very festive. There's now greenery and it's Christmas Eve, right? It's mm-hmm. festive. It's festive. Yeah. We then have this great military entrance of General Waverly into the the stage slash dining room area for this show. And um, he is overcome with emotions as as they... Sing the wolf, follow the old man wherever he mm. wants to go. Oh, da, 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 da. Right. So, um, and, they, and they they line up for inspection and everything, right? and you know you so. Carol, They've you made just, it look like the Europe the the, the correct, scrim in the yeah. background is, looks right. like the European front where they were, which is sort of the blown out buildings and yeah. You know. No, and you just mentioned it, but I, I just want to pause here again because this scene in particular this is what makes this movie for me like otherwise yeah. this is pretty much a zero right like for me <laughs> this this would be a, a no-go like i'm not i like christmas i don't like it at this level and this isn't even that christmasy of a movie to be honest with you it's I more mean, it's, it's a more, showbiz movie well, it but, is it is very much a showbiz movie that's why i often like would lump this one in with Singing in the rain. Singing in the rain. Yeah, oh, totally. a show within a show. I mean, it's, it really is more a show within a show musical. But I, I am genuinely moved by the scene. Yeah. This touches me in a way because, and Carolyn, like you just said, this is part of our thesis of like, how do you come down from participating in the in worst the thing war. that's ever happened and come back and rebuild your life? And it's all uh, now the movie to watch from this era it's black and white but you know from more contemporaneous to the war is the best years of our lives uh it's it's a it's devastating it's it's great but it's it's black and white so we we're not going to cover it don't it's worry it's kind of Shrishma. what we talked about with um the man in the gray flannel suit yes yeah, yeah exactly it's and it, it's it, this uh, this idea uh, and and i i f- i feel the uh fraternity of veterans mm. here in in a way that most of us we can't really, really comprehend, you know, like to the level of now. Obviously, we're all part of organizations yeah. or like a sports team or a band or a dance troupe or whatever, a book club, whatever your deal is. You have these Bar things. Family. These, yeah, sure, sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, Dodger the donkey should be there too. Um, but you know that you go through these trials together, and that's what keeps your relationship alive and everything. In this case, it's literal it's life cool. and death. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, and ex- I, I will say I think that those bonds are probably that much stronger when it's more life and death. And I think of um, our very own old David Time Machine mm-hmm. with his military service and his mm-hmm. service in law enforcement and, you know, SWAT team. Like, there's a different kind of um, camaraderie when the stakes are that high. For sure. And and in this case, let's, uh, let's consider the fact that now they reference Monte Cassino, which is a very famous, not really campaign, but like event uh, of of the time, but also implies that they were part of probably Gregory Peck's uh, mm-hmm. army in mm-hmm. Man in the Gray Flannel Suit coming up through Italy to meet, uh, you know, eventually connect with the D-Day invasion mm-hmm. troops coming from the north. Yep. But th- the idea that these guys probably liberated uh, a death camp or two in in their time, you know, like they saw the Holocaust face to face, eyeball to eyeball. And now we got to go back and go to the, go to the office and listen to this fucking boss. Tell me what to do or whatever. Or I got, I'm going to go, I'm buying a ski lodge and I'm going to go chop some wood. And, you know, like I said, the the general seems fairly good with what he's doing because my God, it's better than sending these guys off to their, their death, you know? But, yeah, uh, but he did. We did have that scene. I'm sorry, I didn't even talk about it. Um, that that he tried to re-enlist in the army and was told. Oh yeah, yeah. No. That's so, that's a big. You know, I mean, right. between him and Bob, so like there, there's also that moment of, I'm not done yet, but you know, 
which every like irrelevant at this point which we all will all have to face at some point you know that's a very uh that's part of the human condition and it's tough when when that happens um but the anyway I, i i like this i like the the I think it's a great performance from the general. I don't know the actor's name, but I think he does it really well. And I think this is moving. It's it's not musical. This this inspection part anyway. Like it's yeah, it's, um, it's a very quiet moment in the film, and I think that this is one where it's like the emotions are so high that it's like you don't want song or dance on it right. because it right. is like it's recognition of surviving and loss and how to move forward yeah there's there's weight to this scene for Mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. yep yes and this emotional number general sits down there's a big ass cake on the table um for the division uh it's a crowded place i mean people have shown up to celebrate uh christmas with the general and look at this This lovely crowd scene with its festive red candles on every table. I like just kind of seeing the, you know, fresh evergreen. Yeah, the garland Christmas, is, is the garland, the Christmas decorations and, and seeing it looks sort great. of, yeah, you know, some really great hairstyles, some evening dresses, some minks, some fur, you know, I mean, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very festive crowd, as you can see. Yeah. And, we launch into um, a number that talks that's basically like <laughs> the thesis of of what we talk about, which yeah. is, um, yeah, gee, I, I wish I was job. back in the army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to go to fucking work. I I killed 27 Nazis. I got to go to work and answer this right. guy about the toner right. and the copy machine. Fuck right. It. Like life was just easier when they gave you clothes and they fed yeah. you and, and, and the, the wax were all in slacks. I, you know, I mean, uh-huh. right. It's a great number. It's cute. Um, yeah, I'll put I the scissors down for this. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll keep this yeah. one. Yeah. Wish I, think I was it, back in the army. Yeah. I mean, I just think it kind of hits like kind of what we talk about, which is how, do, how do you reintegrate? Yeah, I mean, ten years removed from from this formative experience, and and it's a pretty universally acknowledged thing that, that if you served during that that time period, that it becomes a part of you in a, in a way that a civilian could never understand, or a subsequent generation could never truly understand, like the the ownership and and the cost of what they accomplished and what they're trying to preserve yeah. now, a decade later. It's heavy. I don't know. I think. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I think, of course, more in terms of our lifetime, um, you know, thinking about like 9-11 was over 20 years ago at this point, And I don't think that's something I could even fully process ever. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, we're almost like, we're almost yeah. three years past the start of the pandemic. And yeah, I'm, I'm everybody's like, like, how, pretending like that never happened. I'm like, how, how <laughs> I haven't even like been able to process Nope, you back know, into the office. Twenty twenty, but it's like, all right, well, back in the office. It's like, um, let's go back to this goddamn oh, okay. job again, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, and I mind you, we, uh, we have just, our own versions of that for sure, which I think that ten years down the road we'll still be struggling with. Yeah, and and just to be clear, you know, th- these are all actors, right? And right. I'm sure some of them served, but a lot of them were, were in show business. But the, the, think of the audience watching this movie, you know, like. Uh, the, these characters this, yeah. exactly uh, represent real people with real experiences similar to this. Right. I mean, I don't know what they'll do in future. I mean, a version of I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and it's people singing on Zoom calls. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, could be. Actually, let's count on it. Let's do <laughs> count it. Count on it because at some point, someone is going to make that movie um, yeah. where, you know, I we're tired like of wearing. made it. Like, cause there've been a lot of movies that like depict the time or shows that are depicting the pandemic already. Yeah. But maybe not. Like it's happening. Christmas. There's, there's processing going not on. Christmas, but. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying, you know, that, that would be our version. Mm-hmm. Um, so following this number, then we, we imagine that they perform all those unnecessary numbers that we cut earlier from the film again, um, mm. to, to fill out this show until we get yeah. to the final closing number of, um, our real full version of White Christmas with with the full cast and children and 
tutus and you name yeah, it. Four and part Santa, harmony. Yeah. Four part harmony, Santa Claus costumes. And also, right before this number, it starts snowing. Oh my God. That's <laughs> right. You've been waiting for it. We've been the waiting for that white Christmas. Exactly. Snow white, not people. Right. Uh, and it's it's happening. And they they reveal it in a grandiose fashion. They, yes. they pull the sets back and just open up the old barn doors. Right. Looks and great. And there's like a horse pulling a sleigh with jingle bells on. And it is it is movie magic at its best, right? It's, yep. That's some pure Americana right there. And everyone is happy and... And the world, all is right in the world. And my favorite moment happens almost at the very end of this movie, which is um, Rosemary Clooney. Betty has in in Bob's Santa sack. She's wrapped a hideously wrapped uh, in gold paper and a red <laughs> bow, um, a, a, a knight in shining armor on a white horse. And so Bob, while they're singing this number and pretending to trim the tree, he finds the present. He opens it up. And um, he gets the reference that, oh, my God, yes, I'm her knight in shining armor. All is good in the world. And Betty comes over to kiss him. And I'm assuming that Bing Crosby thought that this whole thing was out of this out of the camera's view. But he just tosses that statue just directly into the tree. Oh, is that right? That's oh, hilarious. yeah. That's why it's the, my favorite part. It's not. It's not that it's a romantic gesture. It's the fact that I that he just tosses it into the tree so he can put both arms around I get the picture. Betty. Who needs to hold on to this thing? Someone yeah. take this, please. Hope it wasn't expensive. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it legit, she didn't see like, this, right? you can watch this branch move here and it, like, crashes <laughs> through the tree. Okay. Uh, I, will, I will do that, actually. So, at the end, and I have all, I'd like... I wait for that moment every year. It is some random. I'm sure that they just left it in because the rest of the scene was great. They're like, no one will ever notice that. Yeah, right. I have. Right. I talk about it every year. <laughs> oh, it's great. I mean, you'll just watch him. He like legit chucks it into the tree out, out of frame. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Message loud and clear. Who needs it? And then Who the other two it? smooch too, right? Yeah. Then they, you know, Judy Smooches and Phil smooch. Smooch is all around. Yeah. Because you know what? You can have it all, people. You can have your cake and eat it too. You can be in show business and find a moral woman that wants to settle down and she'll mm-hmm. just join your act. And and save a, a small town economy. Save a small <laughs> town economy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So thus concludes one of the whitest movies ever. <laughs> wow, Carolyn. Fantastic. <laughs> wow. How did I do that in our timing? That was pretty good. We did do pretty good. That was a barn burner. We, we cruised through White Christmas. We My cut goodness. shit out. <laughs> That's, yeah, we yeah, did. We, did actually. We, we, we found things that they should remove. And we right, did it quicker exactly. than the movie. We yeah. found unnecessary things. So our mm. question now is, do we keep it? Do we keep watching this? Do we pass it down for future generations? Is it necessary? Does it have value? Mm-hmm. Justin. Yeah, this is a tricky one. And I, I think I've I've pretty much articulated my point here. I, I I think that that brief three minutes of the general encountering his old division again is very worthwhile. I think it does strike a chord that's very important to strike that I, I can't find an alternative in my memory anyway. Like we haven't seen it yet. So I think – Independence Day? From that point. <laughs> oh, you mean within this time frame from all the movies we've watched so far? Well, and even Independence Day is not quite the same. Nobody said that. Hey, don't put don't put words in my mouth over there. Bill Pullman's speech was moving as fuck. I would have flown in one of those spaceships and <laughs> risked it all. Welcome to Earth, motherfucker. You right? know, right? So uh, I think while... If this movie did not have that element to it, I would say, no way, Jose. All day. Just get rid of it. Chuck it. Who needs... I mean, there's a song about choreography, Mm. for fuck's sake. Get it out of there. Oh, my God. Yeah. We don't need that. But that general scene moves me. And so I got to say, yes, uh, there's something to it. And I think this is, like I was saying, this is something that we can't really truly relate to. Exactly. And so I think for that reason alone, it's important to keep because there's there's something in it that maybe this will help us relate to that sentiment. 
Hmm. So yeah, it's a it's a reluctant yes from me. Okay, <laughs> a reluctant yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna toss this over to Shrishma. Shrishma, Knight. um, no, I guess I just didn't relate to the movie in any way. Um, yeah, how could like why like, would you? How <laughs> why would you? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are these people doing? Right, and like all of this could have been um, solved. Like the whole plot line could have been solved if they just talked to each other. Uh, you oh know, hey, why don't you? <laughs> Why don't you not bring up a whole goddamn orchestra from New York City? <laughs> like, I don't know. And just take that money and, you know. Or it would have all started, it would all ended had they just paid the $200 to the land, landlord. Well, right. There's that too. Yeah, right. I mean, there's, I mean, nothing, there's so many, so, at so many checkbook points. couldn't this, solve, you know. Like, right. Just, but this yeah. movie could have been solved in very different ways. So, but. yeah. I guess I just didn't relate to, to any of it. To be very yeah. mm-hmm. fair, so mm-hmm. it has to be understandable. Anyway. So, for the record, I, I agree with Shrishma too, but I, I'll stand by my reluctant yes. But I because mostly there was, were there in was agreement. A part that you did relate to, and I think it's important that, or not relate, but it it moved me. Moved you, yeah, exactly. yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a yes for me. I watch it every Christmas. Do do I have like like any family member? Are there some annoying mm. things about it? Are there some things I might? <laughs> what are you change? saying? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, What's the big idea? Uh, right, it's um, it's a holiday classic. Yeah. yeah, there's ways to tighten it up, in my opinion. I mean, personally. there's definitely movies that I have that I know are bad, but I just enjoy right. watching well yeah so carol this is what i would ask you i guess is so you watch this you love this i mean do you objectively feel like this is a pass or are you passing it because you love okay like maybe the equivalent for me is ghost to mr chicken mm. i see the disinterest out there in ghost to mr mm-hmm. chicken but i think that as far as that type of movie goes it's a good one right. do you feel the same about white christmas I think White Christmas is a good and entertaining musical with a moral compass um, <laughs> for the time period. True. So, therefore, yeah, I'm going to keep it because there's a lot of other musicals from this time period that I'm like, fuck that sh- I'm not watching that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. watching that. Um, and yet – it's even like love is like I think almost too strong of a word for this movie like it's a part of my holiday tradition mm. sure that yeah, I, I must yeah. keep um you know what I'd like to see though. my family <laughs> yeah but Carol you know what I what I would like what might actually make it a stronger yes for me mm. more Christmas Right. Christmas doesn't show up to like the very end. I mean, like if they had hung the garland earlier, mm. if we had seen more wrapping so, presents, more so vibe, Christmas vibe, you know? Re, if I were to redo some of these numbers that I said that I I would cut, like the minstrel show, like some mm. of these things, I would have added in more Christmas. Mm-hmm. Numbers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that to me like would have would have actually kind of like put me more in the spirit of things but it's it's like it's a christmas movie but only by default (laughs) because it's in the title (laughs) right 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 right. um but you know some of those false bill of goods it feels like on some level it's like well i could have used a little bit more but like they couldn't have had rosemary clooney like dancing to like jingle bells yeah some jingle bells i mean we don't really see jingle bells or sleigh bells do we or or right. even their little uh their little party that they have where she's feeling kind of blue like i make that more christmasy somehow maybe like right more tinsel more uh some nog or uh, punches or something I mean, or, it seems like um, a pretty standard issue party right. of the times you know yeah. right yeah i mean i guess that's what i'm saying like i if i were gonna revamp this those were those are some the those numbers i would take out would i could easily replace and probably uh, make those christmas songs depending on who is singing them to one another and dancing with one another more poignant Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like you could still tell the story right so agreed so yeah i mean it's a it's a yes for me so okay so yeah that thus concludes white christmas you guys and also the the holiday well not the holiday season but the christmas season this is kind of kind of the end of that so to you know to all of you one and all merry christmas if that's your bag mm. and if it's not happy general holidays uh, and what whatever denomination you subscribe to like 
We hope it's amazing. But this is not the end of holidays in general, because you know what happens next week, you guys? It's fucking New Year's. Oh. So. It's 2023. Next week. Oh, God. We're going to be talking about 1957's An Affair to Remember. A couple falls in love and agrees to meet in six months at the Empire State Building. But will it happen? Starring Cary Grant and Deborah Kerr. I definitely thought this was a Bond movie. Mm, no, it's... <laughs> but it's a, it's a real romantic classic. Okay. Been a minute since I've seen it, so I, I, I'm not going to speak to you know the quality one way or the other, but... Certainly, New Year's is highly involved. Understood. So that's going to really put us in the mood and carry us across the finish line of two, uh, uh, of an incredible 2022. We want to thank all of our listeners, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Whether you're behind the paywall or whether you're in front of the paywall, we love that you take the time to listen to our fucking nonsense as we try to digest <laughs> these things. And uh, we hope you have a very... Excellent holiday season with your friends and family and all this stuff. And until next time, we'll see you next week and we'll wrap up the year. Okay. How's that sound? Sounds good. Sounds Sounds excellent. So, all right. I will now throw it over to me in the future. Take it away, fella. Thank you so much, me from the past. Another great job by all of you. Well done to my sister for hosting, by the way. What a what a great job she did there. Anyway, we would love to hear what you think about it. So please, of course, you can write us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com or just say hi, drop us a line, you know, and we'll send one back. Season's greetings. It's the holidays, you guys. It's a it's a little give and take, you know, but it's it's all one love. It's all one big circle. Now, next week. As mentioned, we are watching An Affair to Remember from 1957 with Cary Grant and Deborah Kerr. And fortunately, this is available all over the place, you guys. So if you would like to get caught up and watch the film before our conversation, which drops next Wednesday, you can rent or buy An Affair to Remember at the following locations. Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, the Microsoft Store, Redbox, and AMC On Demand. So check it out, watch this movie in Affair to Remember, and see if it is as memorable as they're proclaiming it to be. And until next Wednesday, please never forget that this has been Old Movie Time Machine. <laughs>